The scripture today is found in the book of Ezra, chapter 3. Please follow along in your bulletin. Now, when the seventh month came, and the sons of Israel were in the cities, the people gathered together as one man to Jerusalem. Then Yeshua, the son of Yosedek, and his brothers the priests, and Serubabel, the son of Shatil, and his brothers, arose and built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it. As it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So they set up the altar on its foundation, for they were terrified because of the peoples of the lands. And they offered burnt offerings on it to the Lord, burnt offerings morning and evening. They celebrated the Feast of Booths, as it is written, and offered the fixed number of burnt offerings daily, according to the ordinance, as each day required. And afterward there was a continual burnt offering, also for the new moons, and for all the fixed festivals of the Lord that were consecrated, and from everyone who offered a freewill offering to the Lord. From the first day of the seventh month they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. Then they gave money to the masons and carpenters, and food, drink, and oil to the Sidonians and to the Tyrians to bring cedar wood from Lebanon to the sea at Joppa, according to the permission they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. Now in the second year of their coming to the house of the God at Jerusalem, in the second month, Serebabel, the son of Shatil, and Yeshua, the son of Yosedak, and the rest of their brothers and the priests and the Levites, and all who came from the captivity to Jerusalem began the work and appointed the Levites from 20 years and older to oversee the work of the house of the Lord. Then Yeshua, with his sons and brothers, stood united with Cadmiel and his sons, the sons of Judah, and the sons of Hanadad, with their sons and brothers, the Levites, to oversee the workmen in the temple of God. Now when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their peril with trumpets. And the Levites, the son of Esther, with symbols to praise the Lord according to the directions of King David of Israel. They sang, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his loving kindness is upon Israel forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord, because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. Yet many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' households, the old man who has seen the first temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes. While many shouted aloud for joy, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. This is the reading of God's word. Okay, we wanted to see who, who would be daring enough to come down up front, you know, and hit these chairs right here instead of kind of hidden back there. Guys, it's an incredible honor to be here. Let's, let me pray for us. The kids, when we, we started the church, we dreamed about a church that had all the family involved, not in, in worship and in as many things as possible, not just the adults, but the kids, because the scripture says very clearly that, that kids see what we do. And we model for them as singles, as married, wherever God has you, you're modeling Christ for the younger generation. And so let me pray for those kiddos and for the, the teachers who are about to handle them. They need a lot of prayers. Uh, and uh, then they will be dismissed. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for these children here. Um, they are a blessing to us. 
Uh, they cause chaos and craziness, uh, but that's what your kingdom is like, and I know that's what you feel when you see us. We cause chaos and craziness even as adults. And so we pray for them. We pray that they would come to know you. We pray that they would do mighty things for your kingdom. We pray that you'd open their eyes to your son Christ. We pray for the leaders as they lead and love and care for them, that they would see Jesus in words and actions and deeds, and that maybe not even just through the message of the time in the class, but through the caring and the love and just the gentleness that they would see within this family, they would see your son and they would come to know him. So we pray for these kiddos and for these teachers, for these many blessings you've given us. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Watermark kids, you're dismissed down these stairs right here. Find your teacher and what classroom you're in, and they'll tell you where to go, okay? How you guys doing? You, this, is, this is the birthday. You can say, this, we're happy birthday. Great. We're doing well. How you guys doing? <laughs> hey, we, uh, I woke up this morning, and uh, my wife's going to kill me. She always kills me when I use her as an illustration. Uh, but I said to her, um, you know, happy birthday. We've made it two years. And she's like, oh, I can't believe we made it this long. Uh, so uh, you can always pray for us and in our marriage and things like that. Uh, but uh, as we've learned in the marriage video last week, but it's amazing to be here on this journey to see what God's doing in the church and in the lives and the community of people here on this side of the island. Um, we have a very special, we have, we're, where, where we're heading is I'm going to share a little bit about the, the sermon and then I want to introduce uh, three people that we're gonna sh- they're going to share their stories about how God's been changing their life. We realize that as you hear their stories, that every one of us has a story. Every one of us, God has come into our life. He's speaking to us. He's changing us. And so our hope is as you hear these stories, that you would reflect back on your story and that you would just praise the Lord and you would thank him for what he's doing in your life because it's all about him uh, and it's about giving him glory and honor. In my house, birthdays and celebrations are huge. They're massive. They're very important. Uh, you're terrible if you ever forget a birthday or anybody's birthday. There are certain members of our household who will let you know a month in advance when their birthday is, and they continue to let you know every day up until the day of that birthday. I don't know if you have a wife like that. I mean, if I don't know if you have anybody like that, uh, but there's somebody in our family like that because birthdays are very, very important. Celebrations are important. New beginnings are important. It was 1979, May 14th. It was my birthday. I will never forget it. My parents threw my birthday party at a video arcade in Montgomery, Alabama. The place is no longer there, and none of you want to go to Montgomery, Alabama. Trust me. Uh, But I remember this birthday, because on this birthday, I got my first album ever. It was my first album. No, Ed, it wasn't one of these big albums. They actually had cassettes back then, and so I'm not that old. But I got a cassette, and I remember the cassette. It was a Michael Jackson cassette, Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson, and I played it till it wore out. On that day, I also met this person who changed my life and in some ways molds me even today. His name is Jerry. Jerry was the owner of the video arcade, Jerry was about this tall. He looked uh, Arab or Israeli. He was an alcoholic. He often came to work drunk. 
He was a drug user. I think pretty sure that he actually sold drugs out of the arcade. That's why the cops were always at the front of the arcade checking people in and as they came in and out. Uh, he was married at least one time that I know of. I kind of think that Jerry worked for organized crime. I'm not sure uh, because I was only 16 years old. I didn't have the guts enough to ask him that. But over the next couple years, I took a chance and started to develop a relationship with Jerry, and I got to play a lot of video games. So there was kind of different motives there and all those things. And as I started to pray for Jerry, because I was a young believer and I didn't know any better, I started to share with him about what God was doing in my life, how God was changing me. And over a period of time, I kept coming to the video arcade on Saturdays and sharing with Jerry what God was doing and teaching in my life. I always remember those times because Jerry's response disarmed me and it freaked me out. He answered in such a way about the gospel and Jesus Christ that me as a 17-year-old had no idea how to answer him back. As I shared my story, Jerry would say things like, God would not want me. I'm too bad. I'm too dirty. I'm unredeemable. I have made too many mistakes in my life. My life is rubbish. The one that always stuck to me is he would say, God would never give me a second chance. And you know, I tried everything I could to share with him as a young Christian, but I just could not get past that response. And I would walk away so frustrated and praying and not knowing how to answer him because no one taught me how to do those things. And I would walk away not knowing what to do. And then one day I came to that arcade and Jerry was gone. I asked the owner who, who was his father, said that Jerry went to Florida and I never saw Jerry again. And I think about that time a lot. And as I think about Jerry and talking to him and about life change and people being in a rubbish heap and making mistakes that they can never feel like they can get out of and never feel like God's going to give them a second chance. As I think about that, I think about passages like today. Because passages like today take people who are in the middle of the rubbish and God changes their life. God gives them new beginnings. God gives them do-overs. God gives them second chances that Jerry never thought that God would give him. The passage that we read, you heard here today, is from the book of Ezra. It's in the Old Testament. It's almost at the lowest point of the people of God in a transition from the lowest point to the highest point. In Exodus 27, God commands his people the followers of Christ, to build an altar. This altar was about five meters by five meters by three meters tall. And on this altar, sacrifices were made to God. One of the things you're going to learn as you walk with the Lord is that true worship almost always demands a sacrifice in our life. I think some of the times we get in trouble as a church is we think that worship demands no sacrifice from us. But the Bible is pretty clear that worship always demands some kind of sacrifice in our life. And so you see altars throughout the Old Testament. And in Exodus 29, we are told that as you come to the altar to lay your sacrifice, there God meets his people. In Exodus 29, it says, as you come and you worship, 
At the altar, there God meets you. At the altar, you're supposed to get right with God. At the altar, you're supposed to get clean with God. At the altar, you're supposed to worship the Lord. At the altar, God gives you second chances and he gives you do-overs. And the people of God listened and they built that altar really quickly. And they started to worship and they met God and they changed and their lives were changed at that altar. Hundreds of years later, King Solomon builds this big temple in Jerusalem. And so he decides to take that altar and he moves the altar into the temple so that people can worship there. And it goes pretty well until this king, King Ahaz, comes along. The Bible tells us that he's a wicked, evil king. And Ahaz comes and he's on vacation one day and he's in his vacation in Damascus. He walks into the temple there in this foreign land and he sees this altar and this altar looks really cool. And he says, well, that's a really cool altar. And he took some designs and he went back to Israel and as he went back to Israel, he basically changed the altar of the God of Yahweh, the God of people, our God. He changes the altar there. He shapes it a little differently. He makes it look sexier and cooler. And as he does that, he changes how people worship. He changes how people see God. People from that point on worship and see God differently because the place that they meet God is very, very, very different. The Bible tells us that it's not too long afterwards that more and more cool altars to different idols and different gods start to get put into the temple. And these new altars get put into the temple. And the scripture tells us that so many new altars to idols get put into the temple into the temple that people don't have time to worship at the altar of the true God. Because they have so many other altars and idols in their life that they're so busy worshiping and serving at those altars that they don't have time for God. And as I think about that story, I think that that story relates a lot to our life. That every one of us on our journeys, we have these idols and these altars that we put into our life, and sometimes they take up so much space in our life that we don't eventually have time to worship the true God. And the Bible says that it became so bad that the people of God finally took the altar of the Lord and they moved it out of the temple and they put it in a rubbish heap. And instead of worshiping God at the altar that he commanded, they worshiped idols and other gods there. The scripture goes on and it tells us that in 587 B.C., the Babylonian king, he comes in and he destroys Jerusalem. He wipes it out. There's not a stone left on it. And we're told that he takes all of the people of God and he takes them in chains and he moves them to captivity to Babylon. Time passes and Babylon is taken over by Persia. And for two generations, over 70 years, the people of God aren't allowed to worship. They're not in their land. They're not given access to God. They're not given access to the altar of the Lord. They're just wandering, much like many of us are today. And then we're told in this passage that you just read that a foreign king, King Cyrus, one day has a prophecy that is 200 years old read to him. And in this prophecy, he's told that there is going to be a king named Cyrus who rules over Persia, and he's going to release God's people and allow them a new start, a new beginning, a fresh start. And so Elijah hears those words, and he wants to realize that prophecy. And so he takes all of God's people, and he gives them a fresh start back into Israel. He gives them all the things needed to build the temple. He gives them all the things needed for worship. He sends them back and he gives them a second chance. 
This is a pagan king doing that for God's people. And I realize, as I think of this passage, I realize that this passage speaks a lot to our lives today. I think that many of us in our whole life or in certain areas of our life are living in rubble, in living in rubbish heaps. I mean, often we come to church and we come to people and we realize that there are things that we've made mistakes in, that we've failed, that we've been disappointed, that we've had all these trials in our family and in our life and in our friendship and in our work and even sometimes in our relationship with God. But this passage says that no matter where we are, no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we are, no matter how dirty or unclean, even after we've decided to walk with the Lord and we've made mistakes and we've fallen back, this passage says that in the end, God does something amazing. He speaks to us. He brings us back to him. The Bible says that God has two purposes, and it's the purpose that we're here as a church. The first purpose in God's plan of creation is to glorify himself. His, his purpose is to make his name great, to make his name above every other name, because he's God, he's the creator. The second purpose we, we see in Scripture, and I don't understand how and why, I'm going to ask God if I ever get a chance to see him in person in heaven. I don't know what that's going to look like. That's another sermon, another time. But for some reason, God has chosen to also glorify himself by coming into your and my life. He's chosen to glorify himself by coming into your life today and giving you second and third and fourth chances. And I think sometimes we don't realize how amazing it is, the fresh starts and the new beginning God wants to give us. But he's doing it all the time. And so what I thought we would do in this sermon time is I wanted to bring a couple people up to share their testimonies of what God has been doing in their life and how God has been changing them and the things they've been learning from him in this process. Some of them have had bad experiences, some of them have had great experiences, and they're all just like you here. So I wanted to ask Graham, Graham and Irina to come on up. Graham and Irina, you guys, you're on, you're on the hot seat first. So, um, <laughs> so Graham, uh, you preached last Sunday, and people went, who was that guy? <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, uh, but <laughs> I thought we just use this time. Uh, you guys, can you share a little bit about yourselves? Would you, would you guys? Yeah. Well, uh, well, first of all, Millen didn't say that to me this morning. <laughs> he had quite a few things to me to say about last week. Uh, but anyway, we're, we're Graham and Irina, and we've got this, this little guy, Elijah, who keeps us on our toes. Uh, I... I became a Christian. Like I said, when I was at university, God just had mercy on my life. And um, yeah, we've been walking with him then, uh, since then. And I met Irina uh, when she was studying in Korea. And uh, I chased her like God chased me. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, I, it took a long time, but eventually my charm won through. <laughs> and uh, yes, I, I got her, I convinced her to, to move and come to Hong Kong. And we got we got married, and um, yeah, that's our story so far. And what, uh, as, as we think about, you know, coming here, what, what brought you uh, to Watermark, this church, this community, this family? Uh, well, 
I mean, we heard about a church that has free Starbucks coffee, so uh, <laughs> how can we not come? No, but, but seriously, um, Irina, she, she was part of the moms group at ECC, and she got to meet Christina and a couple of the other moms, and she, she heard about the, the idea of Watermark and what it's about, and we, uh, we actually went along to the first service, the 10-10-10 one, uh, just merely to support, right, the, the moms that Irina knew, and it it deeply impacted us, and after the service, we we sat down together and we asked God, "Is is this a place you want us to be a part of?" And um, a lot of time, and we we spoke to the elders and leaders of the church we were involved in, and they said, "Yes, this is right for you to go." Uh, I don't know if they were just keen to get rid of us, <laughs> but but it was really right, and I, we felt God speaking to us, um, and that's what that's what brought us to Watermark, and that's we've good. been part of the family ever since. That's good. Irina, you gonna you have anything to? So, as you think about you know what God's been doing in your life as you've been here, what are would you like to share something that He's been changing in you, or something that you've been learning in this move? Well, I think uh, for all these two years that I've been going to Watermark Church, I was um, really struck by humility of leadership, and not only leadership but also serving people and. Um, I think it really talks to my heart. It uh, encourages me. It convicts me. It changes my heart and also makes me um, also want to, to serve and um, be humble. And I think this is a great thing in Watermark Church. Yeah. Great. So as you guys have been here for two years now, and sorry we don't have Starbucks this morning, <laughs> so uh, we'll try to get you next week. So. Um, what would you say are some of the things, because we're talking about, we've always talked about we're on this journey and we're going with the Lord. What would be some of the things that you feel like you've been learning about God during this time? Or what are some of the things that he's been showing you about himself and his journey and that process? I'll go first, ladies yeah. first. Uh, I, think, I think it's that word you just used, Tobin, the word journey. Uh, I think for me it's been a, a real picture of being part of the body of Christ and exactly what that means and that's a that's a journey we're on and we're on it together as a family and just like any journey there's there's people on different different paths of that journey and at different times but the most amazing thing and we keep on hearing it again and again is the words journey and family and I think those two things anyone who's been part of a family and anyone who's been on a journey know that that can be the most exhilarating thing and it can also be the most challenging thing and uh but with family you you really draw alongside people uh who support you and who you have the chance to to support and i think through it all the message that we keep on getting is that jesus is walking with us and uh, i think that's something i often forget that he's actually he's not even just walking with us he's walking ahead of us and yeah so it's it's a lesson i've been learning and i think it's it's definitely something watermark's been teaching me Mm. And for me, I think. Where's who? And Tugash is over there. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think for me, uh, I've been um, getting a great message that Lord is a provider. He's a provider not only for our family, for uh, our family needs, but also how He provided us with the community. And we, uh, I think in the beginning, like two years ago, we specifically prayed that God would provide us with the community, and He did. And it, it's not only in. Um, residential area where we live but also in church with the commu- with the community group and I think also how God provided for the church that we come to with all the people which sacrifice their time their resources and 
it's been just great to know how God provides and you don't have to worry about anything. Mm. Amen. So I'm going to pray. I'm not going to ask you an extra question like what, what your greatest sin is. Or <laughs> <laughs> so everybody's very worried when we interview them. Like, please stick to the script or something like that. Uh, uh, yeah, I would never do something like that. Uh, maybe later. Um, but uh, <laughs> Albert, uh, Michelle, you're next. Yeah, Albert, Michelle is next. Um, but I, I wanted to know how can, we, uh, how can we pray for you? I'm going to pray for you right now, but this isn't in the script, but prayer is always something we do. As you guys look at your journey as a family, what, what, what is something we as a family can be praying for you for in that process? <laughs> that our son will behave. Elijah. Uh, no, but, but seriously, I, I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of what we've been experiencing and being part of is, is a lot of thankfulness. But like, like a family, Irina and I both... Uh, our family members are, are not believers, and it's it's something that that breaks our heart. We've uh, we've been praying and we've been trying to to witness, um, but I think it's it's something that yeah that always comes back to us, right? There's this okay, go to Auntie Gusha. <laughs> uh, yeah, there really is is nothing that we wouldn't give to see them to come to know the Lord, and that's on on both our family side. So. Um, there's a lot of gratefulness in our hearts for what God has been doing, but the one thing that we would really uh, we pray for is that God would have mercy upon them and bring them to know himself. Okay, can I pray for you guys? Is that good? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this uh, dear couple. We thank you for Graham and Irina and Elijah. Um, my kids love Elijah. And so, Lord, we just thank you for their heart. We thank you for what you're doing in their life. And, Lord, we pray I think I can pray this for almost everyone in here, for our families. We pray specifically for their family, that their family members uh, would come to know you, Lord. And we pray that you would open their eyes to your son, Jesus, that they would see him as beautiful and wonderful, and they would fall in love with him and come into your family. And so we pray for this dear couple, that you would be with them as they raise their son and try to be salt and light uh, in Discovery Bay, where you have them. And and so we just pray, Lord, that you would be with them. We thank you, and we pray all these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. you ready? <laughs> hey, I've asked uh, Lincoln to come up and just share. Um, Lincoln, as you think about changes and beginnings and new beginnings, and just you guys, you coming to Watermark and someone following you and things like that. What, 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 what brought you here? What, what, how did God bring you here? All right. Uh, it wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't give you Starbucks too, did I? No, no, but <laughs> I, I came to Watermark because I think I was introduced to the, the vision of what everyone had planting this church, and I was part of Island ECC before this, and it really seemed like it was something that God convicted my heart with, and the vision that you had for this church, and and to start something new in this area was something that was really close to my heart. And so I really felt like I, it was in obedience to God that, that I'm here. Okay. What would you say are the things that God's been uh, changing in you or doing in you since the, this move, these two years and this time? One thing that, when I think about this, one thing that's really important that I realized was that I think when we were planning this church and when we met together in your in your living room to pray, 
Uh, we had all these different expectations, and without realizing it, I think I had a lot of expectations for this church. And you know, in some ways, we started with a blank slate about what church was going to be, and we got to choose, you know, what traditions we like and, and what we wanted to keep. But then, uh, what ended up happening was, I think, I had my own expectations, and I wanted, you know, without realizing, this is the church I wanted. And over over the course of a year, probably, God really showed me that it's about planting His church and not about planting the church that I want. And that was really humbling and that was really difficult, but I firmly believe that, you know, we're all here for his church and not for ours. That's good. I, mean, I think that's one of the hugest lessons for Christine and I. We read a billion books and we went to all these seminars about planting churches and this is how you should do it, and this is what it should look like, and this is the right way. And from the day the doors open, things are very different and you have to kind of say, okay, am I going to go with what God's going to do here or am I going to fight it, right? And so in some ways, we're always kind of evolving as a church and as a family. I think as families do, as kids grow up and kids are added, you, you change in some of those things. As you think about like some of the things God's been teaching you about himself and what he's been showing you about his character and his nature and who he is, what would you say are some of those things in these last couple of years in this process that he's been showing you? I feel like over, over this these last two years, I've learned a lot about his faithfulness. And being on the, serving with the music, we always get to choose what songs we're singing on, on Sunday morning. And a song that we picked a lot in the beginning was a song called Day After Day. And I don't know how many of you remember the lyrics, but it says that day after day, you know, he remains the same and he's unchanging and he's faithful. And I think that was a very constant theme that God was reminding me of, uh, that it doesn't matter, you know, if everything else in this world changes, that, that our God stays the same. And I I think we just sang about that right now. Yeah. yeah. That's good. So uh, this is a question I had to ask you. So when you come in, uh, I know you and Stephanie aren't married, uh, but when you come in, you have like a ton of kids following you, right? And so I'm trying to figure out if you're like the Pied Piper and you've just gathered people on the street and you're bringing them here. Or, so can you share, I mean, uh, I think it's amazing. And I think some people here, even in our church family, is like, wow, there's a lot of, you know, there's a, there's a lot of children who come to Watermark from the Bell Area and all that, and their parents just drop them off. And so the parents don't even attend church, uh, but they want their kids to attend, which I think is an amazing thing also. Um, so you come in, and you have like 15 to 20 or 30 kids following you. Um, so can you, can you share, like, what's up with that? <laughs> sure. Yeah, hopefully I can explain it properly. Uh, in some sense, we do just pick them up on the street and then bring them over, but there is a, there's a there's a story behind all of that. Uh, about two years ago, we, a group of friends and I, uh, we started volunteering at an inner city ministry site. And there's a center that works like a drop-in center. Um, mainly we work with the South Asians in Hong Kong. And there's a lot of Nepalese families and some Pakistani and some Indian. And the background to a lot of these families are really, really broken. So there's a lot of drug abuse. Uh, there's a lot of gang violence. There's a lot of alcoholism in the neighborhood. And so our hearts really broke for this, for this community, and we saw the, the lostness and just the great need that these children had. And uh, it was about two years ago as well that I moved into the neighborhood with, with Kevin Wong. And we, we really believed that God wanted us to, to be present, to be their neighbors, to, to you know, shop where they shopped, to walk the streets that they walked. And as we started doing that, we, we became really good friends with a lot of the kids. And then um, some of my good friends started taking them to Island DCC. And uh, our heart behind that is that, 
you know, we wanted to start bringing them to church and showing them and introducing them to Christ and to God and how important it is to be part of a church. And so recently we, we started bringing them over here to Watermark. And I'm just very grateful for how everyone, you know, opened their arms and welcomed them. We, we had to talk to, um, to Melanie and, and Natalie and uh, ask them, if it's, is it okay to introduce more chaos into the children's ministry? And, and they, graciously, uh, they graciously welcomed them as well. And so we're really thankful to be here. And I think my heart is that we can take these kids from, from such a broken and dark place. And when they come here, they will feel like that this is their church as well and that they belong, they belong here. Amen. Yeah, when I first met uh, Lincoln and, and Kevin, we were talking, they were talking about this burden God put upon their heart to reach out to kids who aren't loved and, and where they were doing it. And I said, if you decide ever in the future to come to be a part of what God's doing at Watermark, that, uh, we really want you to do the same thing in, in, in our church because we believe that there's a lot of kids that need to know uh, Christ, right? And they need uh, family, and you, for whether you know it or not, for most of you guys, you're the only family they have, right? So seriously, I'm not just saying, but you know, uh, you see these little Nepalese kids running around here, uh, whether you know it or not, you're the only family they have. And so I think that's a huge privilege to have as a family, and a huge uh, just responsibility, amazing what God has done. So um, you guys are doing amazing work there, and so we really want to be a part of that and continue to be a part of that, and there's, uh, whether you realize that there's just uh, a lot for us to do as a church in this part of the island and in, in the rest of Hong Kong and beyond, so a lot of things to pray about. So can I pray for you, and I'll pray for you and the, the kiddos here, I'm sure they're going to be digging into the, the food out there like all of, our, all of my kids will be in a couple minutes, so um, Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for uh, Lincoln and Kevin and for all those who have that same burden. Uh, I know that Eric is there and Amanda and Stephanie uh, giving their time and uh, more importantly, just their love. They're, they're worshiping you with the sacrifice, as we've talked about, and that sacrifice is their time and their, their schedules and their everything else. And so we, we pray, Lord, that you be with them. I pray for their heart. I pray that you would protect them, that you would guard them. I pray for these little kids that are running around here like uh, mad people sometimes. Help us to be good parents to them, to, to speak truth, to encourage, to, to discipline, correct, all in appropriate ways uh, as we point them to your son. And so we pray for this amazing uh, ministry, and we thank you for Lincoln and his heart. And we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to guard him uh, and that you would just ex- expand uh, the frontiers of what he's doing uh, in, in, in Hong Kong and beyond. And we love you. We praise things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Amen. Please be seated. Albert and Michelle, how are you guys doing? <laughs> Come on up. I want to. This is a, a couple that's been a part of our family for a long time, and they've had. Some uh, amazing changes happened in their life, and I just wanted you guys to share a little bit with the, with the rest of the church family. I know this is, hopefully it's not too daunting, but just share, you know, how, how did you uh, come to Watermark? What, what brought you here? And Yeah. So um, Michelle and I uh, first considered ourselves believers about five years ago, and at that time we have been searching for a home church, and we've tried many churches. English church, Cantonese church, and even Catholic church. But uh, we didn't 
attached to any of this church, and we didn't find any. Um, we didn't have any sense of belonging at that moment because I think we didn't really understand what's the meaning of going to church. So uh, later on, we even giving ourselves excuse and 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 we thought that as long as we believe in Jesus, then we don't need to follow the tradition and we don't need to go to church or reading Bible. So um, with yeah, after that, we have been giving ourselves excuse not going to church. Um, yeah, and just what Albert was saying as well, it, that had been four years. That lasted four years. We were walking around in circles, around the mountain, not really knowing what we were doing. And uh, we lost touch with Christ. Um, we were just lost. And uh, we gave ourselves a lot of excuses, excuse after excuse, um, despite many friends had reminded us, isn't it time to go back home? Should you go to church? And it, I had all the excuses in the world, and it was, no, not now, probably not even ever, who knows. There was no, there was no click. And um, it wasn't until one day, out of the blue, a colleague that I don't even really work um, very closely with, he just came up to me and he said, hey, Michelle, did you know that there's a church really close by where you live? It's like literally a 10-minute drive away. And at that point, it had dawned on me that no matter how well we thought we were hiding from God, uh, he came and searched us out after four years. He came and knocked on our door, and he was at our footstep, and he was asking us, well, isn't it time to come home? Isn't it time to come back to church? And when you've got God knocking on your door, you can't exactly say no. And so what we did was we tried out Watermark. We came and... We stuck around. It must have been the uh, hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> always, always about food here, right? <laughs> so now Watermark is our home church. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So in this process or in this journey that you've been on, what would you say are some of the things that God's been changing uh, in you guys? What has he been doing in you since your move? Well, uh, God has been strengthening my faith um, through the people surrounding me and um, keep, continues to remind me that He's the boss, and showing me the perspective that my life on earth is very temporal. And I'm so blessed that God gave me this church and, uh, and the community group, which is very, uh, very, very important for, for my spiritual growth. And uh, we, we, we eat together, we, we spend time together, we pray together, we encourage for each other. Mm. Mm -hmm. um. As for me, I, I definitely feel that God has been growing me spiritually a lot, immensely. Um, and uh, one way through that was uh, through community group. Um, prior to joining community group, I was very, very hesitant. Um, again, tons of excuses. Nah, I don't want to commit. It's a lot of work once a week. Nah, just wanted to stay anonymous. I didn't want to join. Um, but little did I know that it was in community group that the, a large chunk of our, my growth happened. That's where it happened. Um, I, I knew that community group was a place where I was a very safe environment where I could just go and really be myself, be vulnerable, talk about um, how I fail and continue to fail, um, talk about my, my weaknesses. And I know that I have a, my family there who continues to encourage me, lift me up in prayer, and disciples me. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and so for those of you who are not in community group, I strongly recommend that you do join because it's so important for, uh, for you to be accounted for and um, accountability is what really uh, will grow you. Um, and six months after having joined Watermark, uh, we felt the desire and were led to take the next step, which was to get baptized. And so um, thank you for baptizing us. And uh, it's, it's almost been a year. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly it's gone by, isn't yeah. it? It's very special. Thank you. So what, uh, in, in this journey, as we continue talking, what would be some of the things you would say that you've been learning about God? What, what have you been learning about his character and who he is in your life as you've seen these things lived out? Well, I learned dependence. It's totally a dependent on God. And um, knowing that I'm not in control. And, um, and I learned uh, to involve God in my daily life and um, building relationships with, with people surrounding me. And um, I, learned how to, I learned to lift up everything to him through prayers, my marriage, career in finance, and knowing that he's the ultimate provider. Mm. Amen. Um, and, and as for me, uh, God's been teaching me a lot, uh, but the one most impactful thing that I can, he's continually teaching me and I'm continuing to learn is, is love. Um, God has been so gracious. He has continued to show me his love and how much he loves me just by the people that he's surrounded me with and um, how he's growing me. And... Um, and also through the marriage course. So we had taken the marriage course, and uh, through that, I've learned, and, and I'm learning, how to um, love my husband with respect rather than the way I think that I should love him or that I think that he deserves to be loved. So um, all you married couples in the audience, um, go for this course. You, you will learn so much. Not only will it strengthen your relationship with Christ, but it will... Um, teach you how to love your spouse more and better and the way that you were designed to love your spouse and also because they deserve your love too. Amen. Well, I don't even have to promo any of these things later because you've just, without even being on the same page, you've, you've, you've promoted everything, community groups and the marriage course which starts next Tuesday. So this go, is, go, yeah. go, sign up. <laughs> so you guys have done it all, so I appreciate that. Uh, how, how can I pray for you guys? Um, we'd like for you to, con uh, to pray for us that wherever God places us, that we continue to shine very brightly for him and um, that we are a huge blessing to people that he puts in our path. Mm. Okay, let's do that. Can we pray together? Father, we thank you for Albert and Michelle. We thank you for just the amazing changes you've done in their life. Uh, thank you for bringing them to this family. And just pray for all of our hearts as we hear their story of your goodness, your patience, you're in control, that you're the ultimate provider. All of these things you share over and over to us. And we pray as a, as a church family that we would understand that and that we would live that and trust you, that you're good. So we pray for them, Lord, that you pray that you show them where you want them to serve and how to serve and what the next step in their journey is to, to honor you in this process. And we, we lift up all these things to you, and we thank you for this dear, very special couple. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. You know, uh, to me, it's amazing. I think we could just kind of keep doing uh, little testimonies of what God's been doing in our lives. Um, and I realize that as you hear these stories that most of you are at 
some of these places and stages and things that we can learn and, and trust the Lord for in that sense. Um, I want to come back to this passage at another date because I think it's a, it's a massive passage. It has a lot of things to teach us and to show us about God and his character. But in closing, I just want to share with you a couple things. Maybe one thing, if Charles gives me the time. And the thing is this. If I could talk to Jerry one more time, what I would share with him is how God is amazing. That he's always at work in the stories, in the lives of his children. That there's never a time that he's not talking to us and speaking to us and pointing us and going before us. I would tell Jerry that sometimes God uses pagan kings to give us second chances and third chances. Sometimes he uses 200-year-old prophecies. Sometimes he uses 16-year-old kids in an arcade who don't know nothing except that Jesus loves them. And they want to share that with their good friends. Sometimes he uses heart attacks. Sometimes he uses cancer. Sometimes he uses beautiful sunsets. Sometimes he uses loving spouses. Sometimes he uses good food, good food and good friends. Sometimes he uses kind people in workplaces. Sometimes he uses people in the Watermark family at the right place, at the right time in people's lives. And the question is, how... What is God saying to you right now? Because the scripture is really clear that he's always speaking, he's always working, he's always doing things in our life. And the question is, do we hear him and do we want to hear him? Or are we silent because we're serving too many other idols in our life? The question that I would ask would be, how is God using you for his glory and how is God using you in other people's lives? Because there's 95% of the people in Hong Kong don't know him. And they're worshiping at different altars. If I could talk to Jerry for two seconds more, I would tell him that the only altar that he can worship at that will truly change his life is Jesus. That he can worship at the altar of drugs and alcohol and business cards in his work, in our family, in our reputation, in our relationships, in our sexuality. And all these things are going to crowd into our life. And all these things are going to try to build altars in our life. And all these things are going to invite, invite us and entice us to worship at them. But none of these altars are going to change us. I would tell Jerry that the only altar that's going to change him is Christ. And that happens every day, not just coming to Christ, but every day. The passage, I think the people in this passage thought that God was sending them back to the land to restore the temple and restore the land and restore the city. But what I, what I think he actually sent them back to was to restore their hearts and to restore the relationship with God. I would tell Jerry that God's grace is so massive and so good and so sweet that no matter how many mistakes he's done, no matter how bad his life is, no matter how much he feels like he screwed himself up, no matter how terrible he feels like he is and there's no way that God would not want him, that that's not true because the scripture in the Bible talks about God as a God of second chances and third chances and he's always pursuing this no matter, no matter what we've done. I would tell Jerry that it doesn't matter what kind of scars he has on his life for the bad choices and the things that he's done and the lifestyle that he's lived. It doesn't matter. Those scars do not influence his 
direction in life, the only scars that influence his direction in life are the scars on Jesus Christ. And I would tell Jerry that he could trust Christ to give him a new hope and a new beginning. I've been praying for our church for a long time. Many years before, there's a group of people who've been praying for this congregation and you years before you were even here. And the things we continue to pray every day are this, that we would never forget that it's about God, that it's about God's glory. It's not about the glory of Tobin, the glory of Watermark, the glory of the elders, the glory of your community group, and all those things are going to fade. But it's about God and his glory, and he's the only one worthy of our praise and worship. And we come today not to have our needs met, though it's fun to have friends and do all these things. All that's amazing. But we come to meet God. And we come to worship him. That's why we're here. The second thing I hope we never forget is that the reason God has us here as a church is that he has brought you here to enter into people's lives and to talk to them about the possibility of do-overs. God has brought you here to enter into the people in your work and in your family and wherever you are so that as you talk to them, you can engage with them and you could talk about the possibility of second chances. That's why this church exists, for the glory of God and for those not in church on Sunday. And my hope and my prayer is as we talk to them about this potential of second chances and do-overs centered on a relationship of Jesus, that God's spirit will move and change people's lives. And no matter what birthday we celebrate in here, our second or our fifth or our 25th or our 50th, or no matter how long God has us here for his purpose, if we have those two focuses, it's for the glory of God and it's to point people to Christ and show no matter how much they've screwed up that God wants a relationship with them. If we keep those two things, the main things, God is going to be honored and he's going to do amazing things. And we're going to be on an amazing journey five years from now to see what he does as we plant other churches in Hong Kong. But we need to trust him and to glorify him. That's what I would share if I could talk to Jerry one more time. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you for... Father, I pray for Jerry. I don't know where he is. I pray that you have brought other people into his life to point him to your son. Lord, I know that there are many Jerry's in this sanctuary now. There are many Jerry's in Hong Kong. There are many Jerry's in our workplace. And I pray, Lord, that through all of them that you would change their lives and that you would use us as a church and a community to point them to your son. That they would understand the possibility of second chances and new beginnings and how all of those things, all of those things are centered around you. Father, I pray for the rest of us in here. I think that so quickly... For me, I can allow other altars into my area of worship. I can allow the altar of popularity. I can allow the altar of power and control. I can allow the altar of nice things. I can allow the altar of kids that obey perfectly because I deserve their respect. Lord, I can allow all those altars to flood into my life and take my worship off of you because I'm too busy serving at those other altars. Then what I pray for myself, and I pray for the rest of us in here who are like that, 
that we would see you as you truly are, that we would understand your mercy and your grace, and that we would come before you right now, we would just repent of our sin, that we'd fall in love with you and realize that you're good and that your scars heal us and change us. So, Father, we worship you this second anniversary. We thank you that you've brought us here. We thank you and we lift up all these things to you and pray that you are honored and know that you have to take us to the next year and to the next year and to the next week. In fact, Lord, we do not want to go there if you're not taking us. Help us never to do church and it just becomes so automatic that we forget why we do it, that we forget you. And so we come and we worship and we praise you this day and we thank you and we love you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. How you guys doing? Are you hungry? Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Now there's only like five hot dogs and hamburgers per each person. So try not to eat more than five, okay? Because we got a lot of food here. Guys, we are so... Uh, <coughs> <clears throat> so uh, honored that you're with us today to worship the Lord and what he's doing in the life of this church and the communities here. Uh, one of the sad things or hard things about being uh, the church in Hong Kong is that people come and go. And so uh, I wanted to bring Sydney up here. Sydney here. Come here, Sydney. Okay, so what, what you don't know about this is that Sydney's mom was one of my best friends. Uh, so every time we look at Sydney, we're like, wow, we could have a kid that old too, yeah. Uh, Sydney's mom is Jill Miller, and I, I'm Tobin Miller, and they always got us confused. We were in a youth group. There was 13 people in our youth group in Fraser Memorial United Methodist Church, Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, so Sydney is actually an intern. And so we have several groups of people in the church. We have staff, part-time staff, and interns, and church planners. And Sydney raised all of her money to come and serve Watermark. So we have paid her, we've, have we paid you anything? <laughs> we've reimbursed everything that she's used for ministry, but she uh, just wanted to be a part of what God is doing here. And so she raised a year's worth of support, airplane tickets, monthly salary. We've, we've given her uh, amazing housing in our house and then in Sylvia Millen's house. We love you. Uh, uh, and so she's going back right now, uh, back to the States. Our hope is that she'll come back soon. She's trying to apply to an art school here, and so that we hope that she would come back. But I just wanted to bring her up here and just say, uh, for me, this is one of the amazing things of being a staff person at Watermark is get to work with people like you. So thank you for being with us and for serving this family so well. Thank you. Thank you. So if you get a chance during, that, during a dinner or lunch, uh, just thank her. I had to take good care of her. Her mom would beat me up, right? So uh, and she looks just like her mom too. So I don't know if that's good or bad. So it's good. It's very good. Uh, so I'm going to pray for Sydney, and I'm going to pray for our meal. <clears throat> and then we're going to take a picture. So we don't want you to leave. We want everybody to scoot in. And uh, Charles is going to give directions. But I'm going to pray, and then we'll take a picture, and then we're going to go eat. Okay? Pray, picture, eat. Pray, picture, Five hamburgers, okay? Okay, I'll see you. I'll try, I'll t let's try. I'll put Kip on you. Kip will try to beat you on that. Uh, okay, let me pray. But, yeah, and we, I think we got a lot of good food. 
Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of this church. We thank you for Sydney. We thank you just for her, her willingness to serve and to sacrifice. And again, we've said that, uh, that worship doesn't happen without sacrifice. And she has sacrificed a lot to be with us, to raise support, to come serve our kids and our youth and just us. And so we thank you for her. We pray that you'd go before her, uh, smooth the way for her return back to us to, to study and to continue to grow and be a part of our family. So we just thank you for her. And Lord, we thank you for these kids. We thank you for all these family members. And we thank you for this food we're about to eat. May this fellowship time uh, honor you. May we have fun and just, uh, we just rejoice at your goodness in our life. And so we, we thank you for this second year anniversary celebration. And we love you. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Okay, Charles, take it. So part of our family tradition here at Watermark is to take our annual family photograph. Just like you go to our reunion or whatever, so we have our family photo. So we took this on our six-month anniversary. We had a small group. Then we took it on our one-year anniversary last year. We got bigger, and this year we've gotten even more larger. So what we're going to do is, kids, you're going to stay right where you are for right now. If you're in the blue seats, you'll stay seated right where you are for right now. If you're in the black seats, if you will help me stack this very quickly, then if you're on that half, you're going to go up this aisle. And if you're on this half, you're going to go up this aisle. So let's try to do that in about 60 seconds.